Today on Sagittarian Matters, we answer your advice questions on love with special guest astrologer and psychic medium, Jessica Lanyaru. Stay tuned. from San Francisco. Producer Ponyo and I are here rounding out a month at CCA's MFA in Comics program, teaching people how to make comics. Uh, we just got back from Portland. Thank you, everybody who came out. Thank you for standing in line. It was my pleasure drawing in your books. We will be in Seattle this weekend, July 29th at Elliott Bay. It is co-sponsored by Short Run Comics Festival and Frankie's Friends, a dog nonprofit. So that's very exciting. Anyway, this week I have a lot of advice for you on love with Jessica Lanadu, so we better get to it. Jessica Lanyaru is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium who has been in private practice with clients all over the world since 1995. She's a triple Capricorn, and you can find her horoscopes and more at lovelanyaru.com. Jessica Lanyaru, welcome back. Sagittarian matters. I, I almost feel Sagittarian about it. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. You are, of course, an esteemed Capricorn. I am. I am an esteemed. But I also have Mars and Sagittarius. And that, too, matters. It does matter. Yeah. How does it matter what your Mars is in? So uh, Mars is how you do it, how you fornicate. It's how you, like, move through the world. It's your ambition and your ego and all of those things. So Mars and Sagittarius... You know, that, that's fun. Yeah. Yes, it is fun. Yeah. We have some advice questions today. I think we should answer them. Yeah. We should answer them. Yeah. Uh, Producer Ponyo is here. She is wearing headphones and also chewing a catnip toy, <laughs> possibly about to spread catnip all over your rug. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then my cats will be so happy and it'll make up for the fact that she exists. Oh, yeah. When the cats come in and they smell her yeah. on their stuff, then they'll be like, but I also smell catnip. So aphrodisiac yeah. wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, producer Ponyo is really loving it over here. Yeah. We are in Oakland, California, at your home base. Yeah, we are. Yeah, All right. What is our best question? Oh, shoot. What is our best question? I would say our best question today, how do you know if monogamy is right for you? Or more specifically, what do you do if you don't think monogamy works for you? Oh. Interesting. All right. Let me... Let me speak a, a moment to the first part of this question, which is if you like processing, if you like lesbian processing and you want to do it five to ten times more than you do in a regular, reg, I don't mean to say regular, I don't mean to normalize, in a tr- <laughs> quote-unquote traditional monogamous relationship, then maybe polyamory is for you. Yes. And if you like processing like ten to one in terms of processing versus the amount of sex you'll have, Yes. Then polyamory might. And also, if you want to think about, have to think about the feelings of multiple people instead of just one person besides yourself, yeah. then that might be for you. I'm all in on that. But I will say this 
Uh, I notice a lot of people don't know the difference between polyamory, non-monogamy, mm-hmm. and an open agreement. And these are very different agreements. Monogamy is me and you are dating. We do not sleep with anyone else. We do not make out with anyone else. And we don't have feelings for anybody else. An open agreement is an open agreement. It's like, well, you know, we went to the club and I kind of made out with somebody when I was dancing with them. No big deal. That kind of thing. Non-monogamy is a sexual agreement. It is an agreement where I am in a relationship with you. However, I can hook up with other people. And there's generally parameters around that. Whereas polyamory is many loves. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's what you're talking about. It's like having uh, multiple intimacies and not just multiple sexual partners, although it can be that as well. And when people don't know the difference between these things, it worries me that they're doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Well, so this person, what, what was the other part of their question? How do I know if they're not if they're not suited for monogamy? Yes. You know, it's kind of interesting. I think that monogamy is an assumption people make, but not everyone is actually ready for that. Mm-hmm. But also, polyamory is kind of like the, the K2 of relationships, like very next level. You have to be more responsible. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You have to be able to first know what your limits and boundaries are. Then you have to be able to communicate them to someone else. And then you have to be able to listen to somebody else's boundaries. And then we say somebody else, but that's really multiple people if you're doing it successfully. So it's a lot of work, but ultimately... I think that there's always the issue of like what promotes greater intimacy. Is it allowing yourself to have different needs addressed by different people or is it allowing yourself to stay focused on one person and yourself? And it's really individual, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. How, wait, what was the second part of the question? So the second How part they... is um, what do you do if you don't think monogamy works for you? Be clear with people because if people come to you and they say they are monogamous and that's what they want, you have to be clear with them that that's not what you're selling. Yep. Real talk. And also, I don't think that it's like, uh, it's not something to be gentle with others around. Be really direct because you're not saving anyone's feelings by telling them that you're open to monogamy if you're actually not open to monogamy and you're itchy the whole time. Nobody wants to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with them in the way that they want to be bit bedded with bedded with i don't know yes. i went somewhere and i just i went all the way I took keep it going back. okay i just yeah. it's bedded it's done i, I did it it's already yeah. it's done yeah i think we nailed that i think I we, like we the did question. it we yeah. did great yeah what else we got in the hopper okay well this hopper says um okay how do you know when it's time to, to move on versus needing space or time alone especially when it pertains to a long-term partnership? This is a great question. It's a really common problem, I think. What do you tell people? Personally, me? Yes. Um, I tell people, um, you can't know the answer to that unless you're actually taking space. And generally, when people are asking that question, they're not taking space as much as they need to. Instead, what they're doing is they're kind of like saying they're talking about the need for space without actually taking it, or they take the space and then they feel guilty. If you are taking effective space and your partner breathes and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, you should, you should consider this is the end for sure. And if you're taking, uh, but if you're just kind of like thinking about space or talking about space or guilting over space, then you don't know the answer because you haven't tried yet. It seems like um, you've been in the queer, queer land for a long time. I've, I've done the time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when we when we come in, they like give you a copy of Codependent No More and you have to read it. <laughs> like it's just one of the primary texts yes. of yes. 
gayness. Yes. At least if you are, you know, female in some way. I don't know if guys on Grindr are reading that or not. I'm, I'm going to go with them to know on that hard pass on that. But so some of that seems like codependency, you know, like the idea of like, like what, like JD come on, came on the podcast before and said, if you're making a decision out of guilt, then you kind of already know the answer. Yeah. And so like, if you're not, if you want to take space, you're not taking space from your partner because you feel guilty for yeah. taking a thing that's for you. You need to kind of do your own codependent work around that yeah. before you can actually see the relationship and it, how it actually is. I agree with that. It's very hard to know because inevitably in a long-term relationship, there comes periods where you're, you don't like your person as much or you need more space to kind of figure yourself out. And it's not really even about your partner. You know, over the course of a life with someone, if that's what you're doing, I think this comes up in most, if not all relationships. And um, it really, I think it also comes down to your willingness to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not willing to be honest with yourself about how you feel about the person, then you can focus on the need for space. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, if you're with somebody and all you can think about is being away from them, that's really different than I'm with you, I enjoy you, but I really need my space. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to tolerate considering leaving someone in order to find the answer, which is really hard when your life is wrapped up with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a... As a space lover mm-hmm. <laughs> and someone who's primarily partnered with a dog. A beautiful dog. A beautiful dog who's showing Tiny us her teeth. teeth. Tiny teeth. So cute. I want to know, do you have tips for people to chill out when their partner says they need space? I, I mean, personally, I'm also a, a space lover. I was in an eight-year relationship where we only saw each other on the weekends, and that really worked for me um, and for her. Um, but I just – I think that people have a hard time – There's, it, it, I don't have patented advice. I think people have a hard time tolerating themselves, and so they want someone around to distract them. Mm-hmm. And I think people have a hard time – trusting that the person they're with likes them and wants them. So they need reassurance by presence. And I think um, ultimately you have to be with somebody who's compatible with you. And so if you're with somebody who needs a great deal of space and just wants to stare at the tiny teeth of a sweet dog alone and unfettered, then um, you are somebody who, you know, and, and and you're somebody who wants to hang out all the time. You're not with the right person. And I think pace... The older I get, the more I think that pacing has a lot to do with the success of a relationship, like the pace of someone's growth, the pace of someone's um, need for quiet. Those things really define whether or not you can partner with someone and be with someone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Pacing. Pacing. I'm mm. obsessed with it. We don't talk about it enough. We don't. I don't hear anyone talking about pacing enough. Well, not not enough. I mean, we talk about love languages. Yes. Of course. Yes. And, you know, I like to accept love through snacks. You do? I do. I do. If people put out a platter of snacks that are catered to me or I get, I mean, I'll do anything. I volunteered places for like 10 years at a time where I get paid nothing and I'll get them like 40 hours a week for three weeks of my summer because they have soy creamer. And so I feel very like thought of and respected there. That's all it takes. Do you have a Taurus moon? No. No, it's all Capricorn. Oh, I I love that about you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think about, you know, that all the time, like love languages, like, oh, you know, is is the way I give love, the way you accept love and vice versa. But I don't think about pacing. Pacing. I'm, I'm a really, really big believer in, you know, if you're somebody who like has a problem and you work through it really quickly and you have no tolerance for working through it slowly and you're with somebody who kind of like 
methodic methodically am i saying the word mm-hmm. right okay uh like uh, sifts through data and sits with their feelings around it that person's going to drive you crazy and mm-hmm. you're going to feel when you need them to like meet you somewhere, you're going to end up feeling like they're not there for you. Mm-hmm. And so pacing, I guess it's kind of like a, an extension of a love language, but it's really about what is it that is the healthiest and most self-appropriate way that you are with yourself and with the world. And I think that successful relationships, people not successful long-term relationships. Cause I think there's lots of different ways of having a successful relationship, but in terms of like long-term partnerships, when both parties don't uh, pace themselves through growth and change in compatible ways, um, I think it's very hard for them to s- continue to feel loved and heard and present mm-hmm. with each other. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're here to help everybody. We're here. We're trying. We're here to help these people, whoever they are. This is a great question. I'm in a long distance relationship and I recently found out that my boyfriend is on Tinder. We've been together for a year. Should I forgive and forget? Right now I feel as though it's a deal breaker, but maybe I'm cutting my feelings. Any advice is appreciated. Well, I've got things to say. Well, A, it's long distance and you've only been dating a year? Yeah. Well, what's it built on? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. What is the point? I mean, this is kind of, I'm, I'm, I am the Sophia of any situation, but I'm just like, <laughs> your soul. I'm like, what? Well, you don't get to live in the present of your actual life. And it's only been a year. Like you should have at least like gotten a good year of FaceTime in with him, bef- real FaceTime, not FaceTime the app yes. before <laughs> having to like write all these fucking letters and yeah. sending the snaps and sending a voice thing that says goodnight or Jesus. I mean, I'm, we're assuming here that this person in a monogamous relationship we're, we're assuming they don't have an agreement that allows for him to be on tinder yeah otherwise why the, the question right yeah i just think there's no reason to have tinder on your phone to have an active tinder on your phone other than to shop and i have lots of straight boyfriends who have tinder on their phone and they aren't actively looking but they're looking do you know what i mean yeah it's really not that hard to take an app off your phone it's really not that hard. And if you haven't taken the whole step to hold the button down and then wait until it wiggles and then press the X, if you haven't done that as an investment in your relationship, I don't, I say personally, me, I think it's unforgivable and I'm not personally super pro monogamy or against it or whatever. It's not about that. It's about if you can't trust somebody for the basic tenets of your relationship, what, what are you doing and how do you repair that long distance? Mm-hmm. Unless you're like super in love with him and he's like a perfect human being. But I don't think he is because you would have said that in your message, in your question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. 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 Dump him. Dump him. Dump. DTMFA. Ooh, DTMFA. That's a Dan Savage joint. I just stole it. <laughs> Dump the motherfucker already yes. is what he would say. Yes. DTMFA. And I, I don't mean to harsh on every long distance relationship. I know sometimes people can meet from afar. I mean, I have done some, my, my share of importing in my life. <laughs> You meet somebody really fantastic that lives somewhere else, but there's some kind of plan that you're going to be in the same place yeah. for longer, you know, to live. So, God willing. But the Tinder thing is, is it's just, I mean, also I'm a, I'm a counselor. So I talk to people who 
find have already found out that their partner was cheating on them with Tinder. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people because it's easy. It's so easy. Tinder is too easy is the problem. It's so. so easy, but also like, you know that your friends of friends will see you on there because that's the point of Tinder is you're connected through friends of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not actually the most secret sneaky thing you can do. No, no. Obviously she found out. She found out from another city. So how'd yeah. she find out? I'm assuming that he didn't say, Hey girl, I really like you. I'm assuming it's a girl too. Hey girl, I really like you. By the way, I, I'm on Tinder. <laughs> like I'm guessing that she like sleuthed it, which again is just like, if you're going to do something shitty, come clean. Or why should we believe that you have any amount of remorse? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you have an open agreement and then he was on Tinder, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, then I'm guessing you wouldn't ask the question of us. I should hope not. Of us advanced professionals of such topics. Yeah. Don't trifle. (laughs) (laughs) Don't trifle with us. We have Ponyo here. Um, Okay. You're looking for another question. And the question is astrological because I am an astrological person. You're an astrologer. I'm an astrologer. (laughs) Um, This says that the question asker's name starts with an M, um, was wondering if we could explain why Aquarius men always seem to make their way into her heart. Uh, We... She knows that they're not compatible, but somehow they always end up in their lives and they've been their, uh, her most significant others and it never works out. Should she stay away? What sign is better for her? That is, that is the question. And she's, what's her sign? She's a uh, Taurus. Oh, I love Aquarians. Aquarians are great. So are Tauruses. Some of my best friends are Aquarians. <laughs> um, I, I will say this though. Aquarius and Taurus are very different pace. That's the root of their incompatibility. Mm. Taurus is security oriented and it's an earth sign. And it's like, I want to like root into you and like, let's be together. Let's eat. Let's like, let's like connect to each other with about the things we love. And then Aquariuses are like, I'm in the future. What comes next? What are we going to do? It's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. And it's fast. Aquarius um, is ruled by the planet Uranus and it governs the internet and it governs like, uh, electricity. It just moves really fast. So the pace is really a conflict between these two signs. And unfortunately, the two signs with a Taurus girl and Aquarius boy kind of reiterates like shitty boy girl trauma drama of uh, an Aquarius being unattached and unavailable and a Taurus being like, but I just want to have love and I just want to be connected. And you said you were going to do a thing. So why don't you do the goddamn thing? And the Aquarius is like, because I changed my mind. So yeah. It's the reason I would say um, that you're probably not knowing you were your whole chart or whatever. The reason I would say you're probably attracting yourself to these kinds of people is because you are actually not having healthy enough boundaries for yourself and taking enough space. So you're finding yourself attracted to guys who are doing it for you. So you don't have to own your need for space and your need for pace and your need for boundaries. So that's something to think about. Think about your boundaries. And then you don't have to do what is um, what we call the projected form of the chart, where you attract someone to you to kind of act something out for you that you're supposed to be able to enact for yourself. Ooh. Oh, she just dropped the mic. She's yeah, just, she you're did. doing a cool, like, yeah. word. <laughs> I, did. I was doing kind of a new kids on the block, uh, arms across the chest thing. I looked down and I saw how cool your nails are and it felt like mm. a moment. It's like a, it was like a pose at the end of a breakdancing thing. Like when you're breakdancing and then you freeze in a pose. Yeah. Like when you're breakdancing, yeah. uh, like that thing that everyone does in 2017. Yeah. yeah like super. When, yeah. Like when you and I are breakdancing 
dancing and then you know it, at the end of like a really awesome like run of break dances yeah <laughs> that's just, exactly what that move was it was my patented break dancing move break dancing yeah. move yeah i mean I, I i i think that was pretty good advice i couldn't tell you why a taurus loves aquarians i mean i just i mean this might be sacrilegious to say in this home but like i i don't i don't let astrology rule who i i wouldn't be like me neither you know i'm on I wouldn't like change her Tinder profile to be like no Aquarians, please, because you never know what's in their moon and th- yes. you know. A hundred percent. I don't think it's really just. I personally, um, I'm a huge. Panyo, hey. Dogs eating cat food. Dogs eating cat food. Panyo, you're supposed to be checking the levels. Come on, check the levels. Put your headphones Put your back, back. Get on. back in the booth. Quit licking your chops. I think she ate some cat yeah, food. Yeah, she definitely did. It's really high quality. It's okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks there's for the peas. gift of cat yeah, food. Yeah, there's peas and carrots. Come here. There's actual peas and carrots. Oh, my. Yeah, okay. Now Panyo's getting, she's getting back in the booth. She's looking really cute. She's looking at her face. Not just her chops. Her whole entire face with that epic tongue. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I don't, I mean, there's different people who I'm like, oh, interesting, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, oh, Gemini's. Okay. Well, I'm going to get like really excited by everything they say. And then not all of it's going to, like maybe 20% of it's going to actually happen yes. or not even that. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> but they're fun to be around. Yes. So fun. So fun. I mean, I have found that the signs that I think, oh, this is the sign I don't like. Like of all the signs, this is a sign I don't like. The two signs that I was convicted of that in my twenties and thirties are like my bestie and my partner now. So it just goes to show you like the sign, don't worry about what sign you're dating, worry about what kind of person you're choosing to be, what you're choosing to consent to in a relationship and whether or not the boys you're dating are treating you in the way you want to be treated and loving you in the way you want to be loved. Not do they like you? That's bullshit. That's not going to get you far in life. It's do they express their like for you in a way that makes you feel liked? That's where compatibility and happiness lies. And that is another another little. It was a mini mic drop. I that, did a mini. Drop it. I, just, just roll it on the floor. Yeah, there you go. She's she posed again. She did it. We had the cardboard out. She break it. She posed again. She did it again. You know what? You know what it is, has worked for me in my life at different points is like you know writing one of those intention lists about what who, what you need. You know, doing doing a little journaling for thyself of what you need in a relationship or what you require or what your basic things are. And then writing the list of what you want to find in a person. And don't just make the list reactive based on the last person you dated because they might have some good things that you don't want to toss out with the bathwater. Um, and then you sleep with that under your pillow or put under a candle or whatever, and you'd be surprised. I, I have, I've done very similar things, yeah. And I think... You know, when you're doing something like that, if you do do something like that, the thing you want to remember to do is include the shitty things. Like, how are you going to fight with this person? Like, mm-hmm. how do they fight? Because if you only think like, oh, they're going to like hold my hand at the beach and then we're going to like travel well together. That's great. But you will fight. You will be wrong. They will be wrong. Like, how how will you deal with the difficult things? Because really, over the course of like a you know couple year relationship, things can be like lovely, always easy. And um over the course of a longer term relationship, you're for sure going to have difficult times. And so it's like how you, whether those storms together is the difference between whether or not you can be together long-term, I think mm-hmm. successfully, happily together long-term. As a counselor, yes. do you have an idea of how long you think the honeymoon phase should be? Yes. I have fixed ideas. I, want, I like this because I, I have some fixed ideas from listening to Dr. Laura 
which is a controversial person yes. to bring up in this room of, yes. of like intuitive counsel. Yes. yes. But I want to know what your. So, so I mean, it's, it's not exactly, but it's, it's yes. Okay. So for the first three months we are having, oh my God, that is a cute toy that she found. Um, sorry. Panyo just came out of the booth again with her headphones on, but this time she had, a tennis ball in her mouth that has a jingling bell in it. Yeah, and also it's covered in white fuzz. Which has nothing to oh, do with her to the cat bed. producing the podcast. No, she is just distraught. Must be Gemini. I changed my answer. Um, oh. So, okay. So, for the first three months, this is a phase of having sex, finding out if you're compatible, um, having conversations, and watching and listening and showing all the way up. To me, the first three months are when a person is at their very best behavior. And if you do not like the way they communicate with you, show up for you, listen to you, go on dates with you in the first three months, you are never going to like it because they are trying their damn hardest in the first three months. And you are too. So that's the first three months. Six months is when you start to be like, okay, I'm being myself around this person. And they're being themselves around you. But I have... This is my theory, and I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering your question, but this is very fixed ideas about this. I'm very into this. Okay. So I believe that you don't know a bitch. I can say bitch. Please. I've done it twice. Um, You don't know a bitch until these things have happened. One, Christmas. I don't care what your religion is. I'm not Christian. If 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 you've not shared a Christmas with someone, you don't know a bitch. Two, until you've had a fight and you were wrong. Three, if you've had a fight and they were wrong they were sick you were sick and i kind of sometimes will put in uh travel together you don't know bitch until all of these things have happened because you can think everything's fine and then they're wrong about something and they're a huge dick or you're wrong about something and they're a huge dick or you can be with somebody and they're sick and you're like who is this demon you don't know and i think that generally that takes time so until all of these things have been achieved. I think you're still in some version of the honeymoon. I like that. You're welcome. Mike has dropped. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> she posed again. She's. Oh, we should take a picture of the pose, and then we'll put the picture of the pose on the website or <laughs> we'll on the blog. Try. We'll try. We'll see if it can be reduplicated. I mean, then you could do full body, just like sitting on your side with your arms crossed. Well, so Dr. Laura says, you know, because people are like, oh, we just we just met and we're super in love and we want to get married. She's like, you don't know a person until you know them for at least a year and a half. You should never get engaged until you've known them for at least a year and a half. And so, sure, that seems fair. I mean, listen, listen, unless you meet somebody in December and you both get sick and you have a huge fight, you don't. I mean, it would take time, right? I mean, all of my list takes time. Yeah. Um, I used to have more of a time-based kind of standard for how long it takes to get out of a honeymoon phase uh, or get to know a person, but it is variable. And, you know, I am Capricorn, 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 so I generally move slowly. But, um, you know, I work with lots of Sagittarians, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm in love, and we're moving in together, but we're moving into a car, and we're attaching a caravan, and then we're going to travel the country. Oh, my God, I can't believe six months later that they're actually not a very good person. It really shocked me because I knew them better than I ever knew anyone. And who am I to judge? 
I just did. I was being judgy. I shouldn't. Only have. Judy can judge him, but that sounds very Sagittarius. It does, doesn't it? Sound? Yeah. I mean, it was. I was running with the stereotype. I was like running with it. Those are my people. Yeah, yeah. It's your people. It's also clearly Ponyo's people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it takes. It, everybody has a different timeline, and also to be fair, different relationships have different uh, energies to them, and so I don't think that there's like a hard and fast rule. Although it's tempting to come up with them. Mm-hmm. I think those rules, I think those ideas you just put forth are very handy. You're welcome. Yes. Well, because I, for me, it's a red flag if somebody after knowing me or someone for two months or something is like, no, I absolutely know this is it. This is the thing. I'm like, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, if a person is that easy to get to know, huh? That's an interesting fact, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I mean, I know I take a minute to get to know. Um, I, def- I definitely think that um, people confuse feelings with facts and feelings with evidence. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I have people come in and they say to me, like, I know that this is how this person feels. I know that this is what this person means or what they will do. But they don't have any evidence to back it up. Or worse, they have contrary evidence. And when you have evidence that is contrary to how you feel and you're a highly feeling person, it's easy to imagine that the evidence is crazy, but the feelings are true. But that generally proves to be untrue. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's important if you're like a highly feeling person to be able to be like, all right, this is my feeling. It feels like the truest truth I ever truthed. And also I'm going to wait for evidence to come through because that evidence becomes something that if you have feelings about somebody and then you have evidence to back up compatibility, now you have a foundation. And from a foundation, you can like leave the country for six months or you can like maybe deal with this whole Tinder question or whatever. But without a solid foundation, it's just kind of a problem. A very special thank you this week to... And I'm sorry if I fuck up your names. Sladyana Vukovic and Siri Gasky. Thank you for tipping producer Chris. We love him. And as always, Shoshana Ruth Wechter. Please tip my producer Chris. We do this out of the goodness of our hearts because we think it's fun. But Chris is having a baby very soon. You can send him a tip to hornetleg at gmail.com via PayPal. Send him $5, send him a million dollars, tell him your name and we'll read it on the air. We love you, producer Chris. And Ponyo cannot wait to babysit your upcoming child. On with the show. Enjoy. All right. So this reader, listener, watcher says, how does self-love pertain to romantic love in your mind? No, wrong inflection. How does self-love pertain to romantic love in your mind? What are the best things uh, each sign can do to show themselves self-love? And how do you let go of energetic heart blocks? These are three hugely different, very big questions. These are all good for you. I feel like, just to quote it through, Paul, you must love thyself. If you can't love thyself, how are you going to love someone else? I love that you quoted and RuPaul was all the, I mean, the one to do it with. It's a great quote. I agree. Yeah. I just, I'll say the thing about self-love is, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated question. It's a very layered, nuanced question. And I worry that I would not be able to do it justice in this conversation, but I will say this, how you let go of energetic heart blocks. Whoa. 
also a very good question. Um, I think some of it's time, you know, some of it is simply, uh, it is grief and it is time. And we want to weave stories to justify or contextualize our feelings. And sometimes that's really healing. And sometimes it's a distraction from just feeling the feelings so that they can pass through us. Um, because after a heartbreak, people often say, oh, I don't trust people now, or I don't trust boys, or I don't trust girls. But the truth is, you don't need to trust people. You need to trust yourself. If someone treats you like shit, that's on them. What's on you is whether or not you stick around for more. And I think that when somebody treats us poorly and we stick around for more, do you snap? I just snapped. You snapped. I love that. It was Ponyo. Ponyo snapped. Uh, yeah, when you, when you, like, somebody treats you poorly and then you stick around and then it gets worse, then you say, oh, that person really screwed me over. But the truth is there's an element of you screwed you over because there was evidence that you were not being well cared for and you didn't take care of yourself in the face of that evidence. And when we get that kind of evidence that we are not good stewards of our own heart, then we have no reason to want to put ourselves out there because if we can't trust other people to take care of us and we can't trust ourselves to take care of us, then we should stay hidden from all things except for cats and dogs. Um, So I think the greatest form of self-care is to be your own best friend. And what that means is tough love when it's necessary, Netflix and candy when it's necessary, but if somebody is treating you poorly, don't consent to it. And that doesn't mean talking about how you're not consenting to it. It means actually removing yourself from destructive situations and relationships and not justifying it, but just saying that wasn't good for me. And so I left because if you can do that, then it's okay if you meet people who are jerks, because then you'll be like, oh, a person's a jerk. And then you walk away and then it's actually done. And if you can commit that to yourself, then the energetic blocks may be there, but they stop having the same relevancy in your life and they, they go away with time. Mm-hmm. That's my, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Thank you. How can the, the signs show themselves love? We don't have to say every sign, but we can, if you want, I mean, fire signs, which are Aries, Sag and Leo, um, through action, through creative generative actions, um, earth signs, which is Taurus, Cap, Virgo, <laughs> You're a Virgo? You don't you don't know anything about Virgo. Virgo. Go no. lay down. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> you don't know nothing about Virgo. I feel like she's a Sagittarius. I think she's that's why she barked when she heard Virgo. Yeah, she got so mad. She got so mad about <laughs> it. Um so earth signs are about investing. They're about getting really grounded and about um putting kind of like consistent, repetitive time and effort into things. Um air signs, which are Libra, Gemini, and Aquarius. Um, I was buying time are, (laughs) um, they're just about figuring things out. They're about processing and, um, air signs are, can be really quick. So can fire signs, water and earth signs tend to be a little bit slower in terms of their processing with self-love. And then there's the water signs, which are Scorpio, Cancer and Pisces. And people often think Scorpio is fire because it's so intense, but it is deep oceanic, like undertow water. And, um, In terms of self-love, I mean, it's really about flowing in directions that are supportive and creative instead of flowing in and out of everything because Mm -hmm. that's exhausting and draining. That was a very quick off the cuff. That sounds pretty good. Okay, great. Thanks. Great ways to show self-love. Yeah, why not? We have one more question. Mm -hmm. We do. Anya, she's she's been friends with the Virgo before. I don't know why she just went off like that. some, Some people get really traumatized by Virgos. 
I also think that we get traumatized by literally every single sign. So I should have taken that back and just said, by all the signs. I want to say, you're writing uh, a book about astrology and love. And I want to tell you, there is a queer astrology book that talks about Sagittarians like terrorists (laughs) and about how awful we are. And like, you can tell whoever wrote the book got burned by a Sagittarius pretty hard. Terrible. The person potentially was a Leo because there is a part where they're like, it's like Batman and Robin, Sagittarius and Leo. But then in the Sagittarius part, they just they trash us. Oh, that's terrible. I have been told um, a couple times, more by cancers than any other sign, that they feel like I don't like them. And so they don't like to read my horoscopes because they feel that I don't like them, which is not true, but is also so stereotypical of cancer to say, um, because cancer is so sensey. Um, and I'm a Capricorn. I'm the opposite sign. So my style is like, I'm a cat and I play with my claws a little out. I'm not trying to harm you, but my claws exist for a reason and I use them. Um, so my style isn't always great for cancers. And I have been told that I don't like cancers more than thrice. But it's not true. Some of my best friends are cancers. I mean, you have to, you probably love everyone in the whole astrological set, at yeah. least a little bit. It's like, yeah. you don't have to like all of us, but you'll love us in a very special way. Absolutely. Also, uh, I promise in writing my love book, uh, never to hate on a Sagittarius. Thanks. Or on any of the signs. I really don't believe in, even though I just kind of did it, <laughs> but I, I really don't believe in hating on the signs because there's terrible qualities for all the signs and there's terrible representations of all the signs, but there's also amazing qualities and amazing representations of all the signs. And even more importantly, this whole idea of like, we're talking about the signs, it's, we're talking about the planet, the sun of, of the sun in a sign, right? So as you kind of said before, all of the signs are represented in our each individual's birth chart. Some more heavily than others, but it's it's not true that we're not all just a little bit Gemini and just a little bit Capricorn and on it goes. So mm-hmm. there's that. I like that. You're welcome. But it's okay if you decide that Sagittarians are terrorists. I won't. I refuse that. We're used to it. I know. Don't say that. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I have a hard time telling people, my partner included, what I want and what I need. Mm. How can I get better at effectively communicating? I think you gotta. God, that's hard. I know. You gotta let go of the results. Yes. And you have to know that when you're saying your thing, you're saying it for you, and whether or not people can meet those needs has not, no reflection on your worth or the worthiness of you to ask for those things. Like yeah. they're worth, you're worth asking for the things you need are worth asking for. It's possible you'll be like, I need three hugs a day. And the person won't be able to offer that it has nothing to do with you and whether or not you deserve three hugs a day. No. It just means that person has their own weird thing. I'm that person. And I don't want to have to give three hugs a day ever. See, but if I asked you for three hugs a day and you said no, it wouldn't mean no, that no one should ever hug me. Right. Nor does it mean that you don't deserve the hugs. It means I would prefer to not have to hug anyone three times a day other than my cats. See? Yeah. But so I just, you know, shh, Ponyo, Ponyo gets yeah. many, many hugs a day. Obvi. Um, it's a triggering topic. But I think that that's really important. You know, it's it's hard to ask for your needs, especially if you've if you've been told you have some kind of messaging in your life that you're not worth it or mm-hmm. you're not worth these, these things that you're asking for. It's hard to break through that. It really is. I think also people have this idea 
that asking for what you need or verbally communicating or communicating is limited to verbal communication. Communication is about taking space to really listen to the other person and also to kind of like to, to return in kind and to verbally share, but also emotionally share. And I think, um, there's no magic bullet for this. It's a risk. You know, if you say I want three hugs a day and I say, no, that's a risk you took when you asked me for it, but not communicating is its own risk as well. And it's a guarantee. Like chances are very high that you're not a Disney princess and that somebody isn't going to save you from yourself and guess all your needs. Chances are high that you're responsible for yourself. And, um, and that's, and that's hard. And it's part of growing up, figuring out how to verbally, how to identify your will and then verbally communicate it and communicate it with your behavior and be emotionally present when you verbally communicate it. Um, and those are all parts, essential parts of communication, I think. Um, so it's a practice. And I think that's, you know, you have to be willing to screw up. You know, you have to be willing to do it wrong and you have to be willing to engage with the consequences of making mistakes. And if you can do that and just be like, oh yeah, I'm really bad at this. I'm really new at this and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm sorry if I do. And you're humble about it then you can just move on and keep on learning and your partner can develop real intimacy with you or you can find out your partner's a jerk and you can move on. Yeah. She's posing again. <laughs> she can't help it. Your gold teeth are like, yeah. Cling. <laughs> but also like people get to choose whether or not to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always have to be like, Oh, I feel guilty for asking someone anything like if they can't do it, they can just yeah. also know their own boundaries and needs and be like, Oh, I really can't do that today. Yeah. But ask me again. It's, I feel like there's a very weird thing that we do where we're like, oh, somebody says no to me. That means like, that means something. It's like what you were just saying. So yeah, I agree. And I think, um, I think I, there, there is a certain person and that person is not neither me, you nor Ponyo who I don't know where she's finding all these cat toys. Like I just like, I seriously haven't seen any of these for like years. They're all just appearing. She's being very cute. Um, but I think that there are certain people who are just not comfortable with verbal communication and they're not comfortable taking up space with words and there is absolutely nothing wrong. And I did this when I was in my twenties, um, with bullet pointing out what you need to say or what you want to say. And like on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Or if it's 2017, you can use the notes in your phone, which apps, mm-hmm. um, not to make you feel old, get a projector, um, do a PowerPoint. Yes. Do a PowerPoint with a old timey projector. They would like, somebody would like that. Yeah. Somebody would like that. I would like that if somebody sat me down and they're like, (laughs) I hear like the buzz of the projector. Yes. And they did a PowerPoint of their needs. Yeah. Yes. I think that that's something you could try or dial it back. You could just bullet point out what it is that you want to say. And another thing, if you want a real pro tip is a second column of what you want the other person to hear because they're often different things. And when people are like, I've been holding back all my emotions and now I have to say them all at once, we often say what we want to get off our chest and not what we want the other person to hear. And there are different things sometimes. You know, I can say to you, um, you're late all the time and it hurts my feelings that you're late all the time and every time you're late, it makes me feel bad and I just can't keep on waiting for you. So if you're late again, fuck you, I'm not going to be your friend. But what I might want you to hear is, it makes me feel terrible. I want you to 
know that this is something that is going to hurt me unless you change it. Like one is kind of blaming and the other is this is what I'm feeling. I'm asking you to take care of my needs. And in relationships, I think that um, there's an expectation that we should kind of like, um, what's it called? Just all of our needs should be taken care of by our partner. And that's not realistic. So being able to figure out what's realistic and what's reasonable to ask is, I think, part of the game of being intimate. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I went on a tangent, but it's helpful. With it. okay. But it's a way for them to learn. I like setting people up for success. Yeah. Whether it's myself or other people. So like, you know, like I have a friend and he sees time as respect. And so when you're late for things, he's like, I feel like you're spitting in my face. I'm that friend. I'm, I mean, I know you're not talking about me, but no. I'm just the same. Yeah. He's yeah. not even a gap recorder, but yeah. he, he's like, it's like you're spitting in my face. And when students are late to his class after he gives that talk the first day, he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, he just like goes crazy. But I know that about him. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, like my other, I have other friends that are way more flexible, whatever. I'm not getting locked into someone else's entire world. I just know yeah. when I see this friend, this is important to him. And so I will be on time because I, re- I want him to know I respect him and I respect his time. And he's told me this is important to him. Yeah, I think that's huge. And a lot of people can't do that. Like I have uh, someone, a, fr- a dear friend who refers to himself as a magical time person. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually a Capricorn. But um, magical time is, is like a thing that people experience where they're just like, oh, I have to be there in 20 minutes. Okay, cool. I'm just going to finish my novel. And they can't help it. Right? <laughs> they just like, they see time as this expandable, retractable thing. And they're not locked into the same clock that everybody uses. And those people can't for the life of them do that like oh i'll just respect this person and and you know that could be a deal breaker for some people and i think it's okay to say like i love this person i like this person and we are not compatible that's part of life you know is not being compatible with people sometimes and i don't think it's a sign that you're high maintenance and i don't think being high maintenance is bad so (laughs) clearly i'm high maintenance but i think that yeah it's it we're, we're kind of like really going off with this question but i think Communication is a risk because you're exposing yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to take a risk that isn't scary. So just know that being scared is not evidence, internal evidence that you shouldn't do it. Being scared is evidence that it's scary, that you're not used to it, that it's not a skill you've acquired. But it's not something that you should let stop you, question asker. It's an important skill for you to train yourself to do. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. I wasn't raised in a home where that was passed down to me in my in my emotional training direct communication about the actual thing that you actually wanted or needed and then have someone be like thank you for telling me that i would love for you to feel respected that's not no that was not actually in the training manual at my my home no i don't think most people's no not most of my friends anyways i don't think that was in the manual no so you know recaller listener i'm with you good luck to you yes and um yeah Jessica, how can people find you and what will they find? Okay, so they can go to my website uh, at com, and it'll be spelled somewhere for you, right? So I don't have to spell it now or should I? Uh, I'll, spell it. Spell it and then okay. I'll, maybe I'll spell it too. Okay. Um, it'll, it, you can find me on my website at com, and that's love and it's L-A-N like Nancy, Y-A. D, like dog, O-O. And if you prefer to say it like Lanadu, like Xanadu, 
I don't mind, but it's lovelyniato.com. And um, when you get there, you will see that I write horoscopes. I like write lots of horoscopes. Um, you can schedule a reading with me. You can read different articles I've written. Um, and hopefully soon, I'm going to have a intimacy and love um, like online class. Yes, I'm very excited. And I'm working on a book on the same topic. So um, I will help radicalize your relationship to love like and hate no love like and and love and like love like and letting go love like and letting go mm-hmm. by nicole j george's sorry by jessica lignato i got yeah. confused yeah yes that's the one trademark trademark I'm doing it. trademark, trademark. <laughs> copyright jessica yes. <laughs> antonio okay yes um right. yeah thanks thanks for asking so people should find all those things they should thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for having me on the podcast in my house and thanks for letting producer Ponyo set up her temporary uh, sound sound booth and letting her crawl under your couch to find all your cat toys. Yeah, oh my God, it's been such a pleasure. A face like that. A face like that is not made for radio. I'll just say this. I'll tell you what. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.